Welcome everyone. Welcome to the Enabling Digital Businesses Plus podcast series. Today we have a fantastic guest with us, Amay Javeri. Uh, he actually is going to help us understand and decide how to choose a product. So, uh, Amay, a brief introduction about Amay. He's actually been on both sides of the spectrum. He started his career on the product side in terms of product development and helping customers adopt the products. And today he is uh, working on the services side. Amai, um, welcome to uh, welcome to the series. Thanks, Apan, and uh, excited to be here. Fantastic, Amai. Why don't you give a little bit of a, a little bit of a background about yourself, and then we'll just jump right into it. Sure. So uh, before you know joining Systems Plus, I used to work with a company called Entitle, and at Entitle, I was running product management. But I was there from one of the very from the very beginning uh, when we were just six people. So I was of course involved in a variety of roles. And a big part of what I was doing was not just building the product, but also working very closely with customers to ensure, uh, you know, they adopted the product, we implemented the product per their specifications, and uh, we wanted to make sure, of course, you know, every customer absolutely loved the product. And uh, a big part of uh, that journey was not just the features in the product, but our overall uh, implementation and post-implementation services that we offered uh, to make them enjoy the product. Now, uh, uh, after Entitle, I, I then moved on, um, you know, and now I'm, I'm with Systems Plus, and I'm on, actually on the other side of the fence where I'm helping uh, large enterprises actually select the right product uh, that will meet their needs. And uh, my product management knowledge from my previous company actually helps in that because I understand how things are kind of working in the background. And uh, post-selection, I try to do everything I can to make sure the company, uh, the enterprise adopts the product as easily as possible and i try to partner with the vendor and the company uh, and the enterprise to make sure you know that relationship is as uh, harmonious as possible and implementations go off super quick and uh, you know the product is successful within that company well that's a great segue actually um, because uh, historically it used to be that products used to be developed in-house uh, you know people used to sort of uh, have their own, you know, quote unquote, secret sauce to build their own product, and they felt that that, that what they built in house was the best. Today, it's not the case. Today, uh, you know, SaaS solutions have popped up everywhere. The cloud has enabled a lot of that, of course. Um, and you know, most most of the uh, most of the companies are going for what I would call best of breed, or uh, or even to the to the extent that you know, finance uh, department will choose their own product, HR department will choose their own product, uh, the marketing department will choose their own product, and it's it's become completely disparate from that perspective. So how do you bring it all together? Right, so it's um, you're absolutely right. The, the landscape has completely changed. There is a countless number of products out there today uh, for us to choose from, and the buying function of the product has transitioned from typically, you know, being IT, uh, to the business vertical, but IT is definitely still still involved uh, because fine, fundamentally what happens is once the product is selected, and we'll talk more about that, um, you actually rely on your IT team or your technology team to make sure the product is implemented and embedded into the ecosystem and interacts correctly with other products. So, um, you know, if you, if you think about it, bringing it all together, uh, we've now got this sort of hybrid situation where we've got a bunch of legacy on-premise products that were built, uh, you know, uh, many years ago. And then we've got uh, a large plethora of third-party products uh, coming in. And uh, these third-party products are coming in super fast because they're ready to go uh, and deploy and implement. 
And so you, all of a sudden, you know, you, you realize you're almost implementing a new product every month, sometimes two. And uh, managing that can become complex, uh, as you can imagine. Yeah. So, uh, so it's, um, you know, it, it's definitely, it's definitely the role of, you know, I've seen the role of technology and IT uh, kind of changing from developing products to kind of making sure this ecosystem exists uh, in a sort of harmonious way and uh, allows for the business to operate at the speed that they would like to uh, without sort of skipping a beat. Right. So maybe I'm jumping ahead a little bit uh, here, but one thing that has always haunted me and I've been on, uh, I've been on obviously the product selection side is that, you know, I might have the best product. It looks amazing. Uh, it feels amazing, et cetera. But uh, in the end, the product, uh, you know, we, we actually strapped the product two years down the line just because people sort of didn't warm up to it. So in a sense, what do I, what do I have to do? And maybe I have to start at the beginning, right? Uh, to make sure that people actually are buying into this product, uh, people as in within my organization, et cetera. Um, so what are the things one should be thinking about when they're actually selecting the product? Because it could be the best product ever that it's built, but if, if, my, if my people don't use it, it's useless. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. So if you think about it, um, uh, now the, the selection criteria uh, for products is actually pretty wide ranging. It, back you know, many years ago, you guys were building, enterprises were building their own products so they could customize, configure, create their own use cases. Things could work exactly the way they wanted it. Now you do need to compromise a bit, but what is happening with the evolution of technology is a lot of the new enterprise SaaS products that are out there today are heavily customizable and configurable. Um, and you know that's one of the big factors you also have to consider uh, when selecting a product. So of course, that's not just it. First of all, when you are selecting a product, you need to find the right product that sort of fits your needs as a business. So a product that may work for one business may not work for another one. And you have to understand what your business objectives are and who the stakeholders are uh, for those objectives to find the right product. So number one, definitely understand clearly why you need that product and what use case it is serving. And then ensure you have the right people in place and you have the buy-in when you are selecting the product. So uh, whether someone from IT and marketing, make sure they are aligned uh, because if they're not aligned, then eventually, you know, that battle just affects the outcome of the product success. Right. So how, how important is that alignment? Um, historically, uh, historically, as, as, as sort of I touched on earlier, uh, IT was heavily involved from the beginning. Now IT is coming along for the ride. So how does IT make um, a CIO um, get that alignment uh, up front? Or, or are you saying that the business now has to sort of make sure that the alignment comes into the picture? Yeah, so um, we actually have seen many cases where the business makes a decision or is pretty much ready to make a decision and brings in IT at like say the very last minute. And mm -hmm. then IT comes in and typically, I saw this a lot in my past at an organization within Title. Uh, business was ready. Business said, yes, we need this product. IT came in and roadblock, nothing happened and we would be stalled, right? And uh, what, what happened is that created a very, uh, this, uh, a poor relationship between business and IT from what we could see, uh, because business wanted to go one way, IT was blocking them and then IT unfortunately got this poor rap that, oh, you know, IT is just blocking our growth and our success for the business. Uh, what we would like to see and what I have seen being successful is when I, the IT, the IT leaders, the CIO, the director, the VP uh, partners with 
the uh, business uh, stakeholder and the owner in the product selection process right from the beginning because every product that is being implemented uh, fundamentally will require some flavor of technology and IT uh, in that implementation process, whether it's through data integrations, configurations, potentially uh, deployments, uh, inter, uh, you know, interactions and API uh, calls with say the website or other products in the right. ecosystem. You know, so right. there's a lot of move, you know, a product doesn't exist in a silo anymore. And so right. because there's so many, you know, moving uh, bits and pieces, uh, you need to make sure that IT looks at this product as an opportunity for the business to grow and they feel involved right from the beginning versus, you know, just another thing that's being added onto their plate because they've already got, you know, so many things that are happening in the business that they have to keep the business operations running. Uh, this just adds to it. And then they say, we don't have time. Let's do this later. And that later just comes way too late. Right. That's that's very true. Um, so one of the very interesting things that I hear a lot lately is out of the box. Okay. Um, so it's it's pretty funny, like oh yeah, the, our, our, our tool, our solution is out of the box, plug and play. But I'm not actually seeing anything that is really plug and play. There's always some configuration that requires some implementation, etc. So how do you how do you actually navigate uh, when people say it's plug and play, and, and how do you actually think about impl implementation configuration when you're actually selecting a product? I um, I have not seen an enterprise solution that is plug and play, um, even a simple one at least requires maybe i would say a couple of weeks to a month of implementation uh wow. more, right and, and and you 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 might be like you know why and I, and i'll tell you why because um if you think about an enterprise today they have a very specific way of operating and ideally you want to configure and customize the product in a way that fits into that way of operation because if it doesn't you're not going to have the adoption uh that you need so very, very simply, we were, uh, you know, implementing a ticketing system for, for a retailer. And you would think, you know, this is one of those ticketing systems. Uh, it was actually Zendesk, uh, which, you know, is a very popular tool. Mm -hmm. You can today, if you're a small business, you can just go up, sign up for Zendesk and boom, you're going. That, that's plug and play. But in, in an enterprise, you've got 50 users, number one, right, that you have to think about. Uh, mm -hmm. You can't just sign up and say, here's your access. Uh, you've typically got a legacy tool or a tool that you're migrating from. So you need to make sure that data moves over. That's another one. And then uh, because the, you know, when you've got more than sort of five or seven users, typically you need to make sure that uh, you have the application customized and set up in a way that's sort of friendly for them. So it could be as simple as certain, you know, nomenclature that needs to be correct, whether uh, you you know maybe in your business you call it a ticket in another business it's called an issue right something as simple as that uh, you need to make sure that uh, you can either customize or correct some of those uh, uh, things because you want the product to be familiar for the users otherwise it just hurts your chances of adoption and then finally even you you need then you need to train users right and and training itself can take sometimes a week two weeks while they have go through the product get adoption you do UAT etc so. Plug and play, it's a nice thing to say. And yes, there are many products which you can just sign up and get started, but that's typically true for like a small business. When you're talking about enterprises, there's always going to be some flavor of implementation and the implementation uh, and configuration is is extremely, extremely important in ensuring the product success. So when I'm actually thinking about the implementation and configuration, um, usually 
do I do I take the help of the product company or do I have to do it in house or are there usually sort of uh, um, you know uh, other service providers that that do it? I mean, how does it work normally? That's a great question. So in the my my ideal answer is you need a flavor of both in that you need help from the product company for the implementation or the product company may have partners and you need a little bit of in-house help so uh, and the reason i say that is the product company will be very good of course at getting their own product set up uh, and they will be you know focused on their own product but what they will not do is necessarily look at how your product fits into the larger it ecosystem of the enterprise, how it integrates with some of the other products, how your users are going to be using it alongside other products. That's where it's important to have someone in-house uh, that can help that process. So ideally you have the product company, they will have their, uh, you know, their implementation team, which may consist of say a project manager and two or three engineers, depending on the complexity of the project the solution architect. Um, and then on your side in-house you should ideally have a dedicated project manager working on this product depending on the complexity uh, someone at the right smes so you need the right subject matter experts that can uh, understand where this product will you know which applications this will integrate with which downstream products it will affect uh, which data it may need to you know you may need to send into the product so so that you can get all of that done super quickly and that's the best combination when you have both teams working together. You have a project manager on both sides, one to help navigate the enterprise internally, and then one to help navigate the product and ensuring that you know that fits perfectly within the enterprise. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm going to go back a little bit on something you touched on earlier: adoption. Um, so, adoption is a it's it's a very simple word, but and it really in the end makes or breaks your actual product selection process, et cetera, is, is what I've seen. Uh, we've seen I've, I've seen big implementations where, where companies have trained multi-million dollars and then just due to lack of adoption, they've, they've scrapped the project or they scrapped the product. And then I've seen simple, uh, sim simple products being come in, not spending too much money, but it's really brought the organization together. So the adoption is, is actually key. So, so I guess where I'm coming from is that we all understand that, but at what point do you need to start thinking about Adoption and how do you ensure adoption actually happens? Yeah, so that's adoption is a, is a is a huge subject, and I, I you know I, I think we can talk a lot about it. So I'm going to try to be as brief as I can. But basically, you know, adoption is important. You have to think about it right from the start. So if you think about when you're when you're starting to implement the product, you need to start thinking about what are the core use cases that you're going to solve for when the product goes live, and you really got to focus down and narrow that scope to those core use cases in order to uh, uh, you know, deliver a successful product. And, and the reason I'm saying you know, focus on the use cases uh, and try to narrow down the scope is not because uh, I want to sort of limit the capability of the application, but what I want to do is make sure the application can deliver value quickly. So the second you narrow down scope, the faster the application will go live, the faster users will get their hands on the application and the more you know, the excitement will still be maintained. Otherwise, typically what, we, what I've seen is you selected a product and then like eight months go, go by or nine months or sometimes even a year and the product finally goes live the excitement is pretty much dead by then so if you can that's true that's true deliver if you can deliver some value within the say the first three months is uh is something you know i'm just kind of putting out there but three months uh, or sometimes even you know one month of course is, is is amazing if you can deliver value quickly 
uh, and and show that uh, people are getting value from the product. It keeps that excitement going, and then you iterate from there. So I'm not saying once the scope's locked down, don't do anything more. I'm saying get the product live, get people using it, get people excited, get that feedback, and then iterate on some of those future use cases. So that's one of like the biggest things about adoption that you have to think about right from you know right from the implementation standpoint. <coughs> that's that's some good advice, actually. Thanks. Um, I guess another important um, sort of topic I would like to touch on is uh, as part of the adoption process, right? How do I get sort of my uh, people to really sort of understand the product? You know, I guess maybe maybe it's more training, I suppose. But uh, basically, um, how important is training, and and who normally does it uh, in in a typical product framework? Yeah, so uh, really really important. So if you think about um, once the product is fully implemented, there's a series of uh, sort of you know things that happen after that in a in a, what I would like to call a standard engagement framework, right? So the first one is onboarding the users. So what I have seen being really successful and in, in, at Entitle, we had deployed the application for almost 100, 150 users uh, with a large industrial manufacturer. And what they did really, really well, well, number one, they had a dedicated learning and training team, which was okay. which was nice, uh, but. Mm -hmm. what that what that team did though was they customized a lot of the training content and training material to fit the context of the enterprise so a lot of the use cases were very very relevant to the people who were training where right? we were we weren't training people on a demo instance and saying okay these are things you could do we were training people on live data on use cases that they would actually could go and use you know in the next minute and you know, generate leads and opportunities, and actually make money off, and and it could you know help improve their lives like pretty much immediately post training. So the number one thing um, that we actually did even before training was we used to kind of no different from how some companies advertise their products. You know, consumer companies you see advertisements for products or launches before the product mm -hmm. launches. Uh, we almost kind of did that as a teaser sort of email memo that went out in sort of two or three batches. We would tease the product, tease the use cases that it could solve for them, uh, et cetera, and create a little bit of hype. And then finally, when we got to training, you know, people were actually excited to get into training. Otherwise, nobody wants to do training. Everybody, you know, training as a topic is, right. not, is not fun. Uh, but we That's actually true. sort of advertised it, right, if you think about it, and um, try to create some hype and show that, okay, hey, this is product is coming. Uh, these are the amazing things you can do. And then finally, when we got to training, we we had very specific use cases that were very, very relevant to the users. And uh, the the most, I would say the best thing you can do during a training is, is if you can get users to actually log in and do something in the application that generates a, sort of like a quick win, nothing like it. Because the second someone can go into an application, do something within say half an hour, one hour, uh, that creates value for them or helps them do something better, uh, it's a high, you have a much higher chance of winning them over. So training and onboarding is, is super important. Uh, if, you know, on the product side, you want to make sure that the product has sort of, a, you know, that ease of use, et cetera. But then on the enterprise side, you want to make sure uh, you can create those use cases that do create value for your team quickly, especially if you're a manager, or you can create some goals within the product that can, generate rewards for the users very quickly uh, and move on. So, so you mentioned that, you know, um, basically, you know, you want some quick wins, et cetera, but then 
quick wins is that is that a measure of success i mean how how do you normally measure success in terms of you know okay, i've selected a product uh, is it adoption i mean i i guess there must be a, uh, like n number of things which help you determine success in a product and probably there's no one magic bullet but uh, what have you seen um, in terms of uh, you know from your product days how how do you measure success yeah so success is a it, it's it's a very very tricky topic with a lot of um, product companies depending on the product sometimes it's very easy to determine success sometimes it's very difficult so you typically when you are by the way when you are going and selecting a product make sure you get the right level of information to uh, measure success to some degree. So whether if it's a, if it's a sales tool, you want to make sure you can get the revenue generated from that sales tool. If it's a productivity tool, you want to make sure you can get usage reports um, from uh, from various users, how they're using the product, you know, how much time they're spending, etc. Make sure you get that information. Um, so based on your sort of product and your objective, you know, it could be your measure of success could be usage, right? How many users are using, how how many times a day how often some products may only need to be used once a week and that's fine. Uh, but uh, some products may, be, may need to be used every day. So understand what that is for your organization and the product and factor that accordingly. Um, ROI, of course, like if, if your product helps generate revenue, then that's the easy, you know, the most, the easiest way to measure success is because you can say that, okay, I've uh, calculate uh, an easy ROI on the investment in the product and how much revenue the company has made. Some, you know, some marketing products and sales products you know, typically are revenue generating or, or do promise to have a lift in revenue. Uh, so that's, uh, you know, that's another way to do it. Some products will help you save costs. So uh, a lot of infrastructure uh, management products, right, will say, okay, you know, you can turn off these servers, for example, and and save, uh, you know, a few thousand dollars every month. So that's another one uh, that's that's pretty black and white. The other, mm. the other measure, which most pretty much every product company, by the way, is tracking, which you can definitely ask them to share with you, is a uh, something called NPS, which is net promoter score. And basically, you know, it's that little bubble that comes up and says, okay, how, how likely are you to refer to this product to somebody else? And it gives you a scale from one to 10. And mm. uh, I, ideally you want everybody, all the users of the product to be selecting nines and tens, uh, but anything below five is basically bad or is considered bad. And so you can ask, uh, you can actually ask uh, the product company for that score for your company and see you know what people are saying because if uh, your users are happy about the product they really want to recommend it to others and uh, the NPS score is a good measure of how that's done today okay that's uh, yeah that's actually a good advice um, one of the big issues that I have seen clients face and even I, I would say uh, my organization has faced is that, Often we select the product, uh, it you know, implementation goes really well, adoption's also sort of gone reasonably well. But then I can't, you know, there's there's always minor configurations, there's tweaks because of my business, et cetera, that keep coming in. And I can't keep going back to uh, the product company to keep making those changes or tweaks, et cetera, just because it just starts getting very expensive. So um, and, and a lot of a lot of these product companies say that it's it's everything is configurable, do it yourself, et cetera. But I've, I've noticed, especially in uh, these enterprise products, it's it's not as easy as it's not as easy as that. So how do you how does one think about you know how to how to configure or customize a product? Uh, and and I know customize is a big word, but let's say even minor customization, et cetera, just because uh, I, I need to uh, have have that slight different slightly different flavor than whatever the, the product actually has. How do I actually go about doing it? Because I, I can't keep going back to the product company um, 
to you know and start paying 100 150 dollars an hour to make make small changes yeah absolutely so it's um the the, the one of the biggest problems we've seen today uh with with some product companies is uh they just charge ridiculous amounts for professional services and any small change any small uh request that you have you know it'll, it'll get billed and you have to buy a block of hours and sign in or every change requires another sow and nobody wants to keep signing new sow so um uh, again like the, some of the good product companies will have a good customer success function where at least you can get some of your basic changes questions support answered uh, mm-hmm. so that that's always helpful but uh, right. in the long term of course the 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 ideal world is you want and this is where it also becomes super important by the way uh, or technology teams is uh, you want them to become comfortable enough in the product where they are able to make a lot of the changes themselves and uh, going back to right the very beginnings upon uh, in selection, make sure you select a product that you can ha- do a lot of self-service on and that you're not reliant on the professional services team of the product to make changes. Uh, and that's something you don't really think about when you're s- selecting a product. You right. only realize after the product's been implemented and then you're like, why am I spending you know, $150, $200, an hour um, for, for simple changes like a field name addition, export of a a file, etc. Some, you know, the good yeah. products will have this sort of self-serve and allow you to do this by yourself. Um, yeah, that's that's frustrating as hell. You're absolutely right. Right. So, um, it, you know, it's uh, it, it just causes a poor relationship. So, ideally, um, get your team trained in um, in the product. The uh, the good way to sort of check for that is some of these products will either have certifications or academies or knowledge bases or or something like that where. Your, your team members can enroll and get sort of certified or go through the a, a sort of academy training course, which really goes in depth into the products. Uh, products with good partner communities as well should have um, some of these trainings more formalized. So that's another way to check for that. Um, in terms of how you can sort of make sure that you, know, you continue to drive success from the product, there's a couple of things that I always recommend. Once the product is live, just like how you prioritize the few use cases um, to implement the product every you know quarter potentially figure out what are the other big use cases you can solve for with the product that fit in the business objectives prioritize those get those done and move on to the next quarter and you know keep that process moving so don't stop when it comes to innovating on the product the company will also be launching the product company will also be launching a lot of new and interesting features stay on top of that uh, be involved get in the trainings uh, get your super users uh, you know, uh, to, to, to take demos from the product because, uh, and yes, they, they will send you a newsletter that you most likely will ignore uh, about the latest features. Mm-hmm. Try not to ignore that uh, because it, it, it is important uh, to understand some of the new features and see how they can help uh, and help your product. So, you know, those are just some of the ways in which you can continue to um, uh, drive success of that product uh, within the organization. And then finally, if your IT team uh, or technology team is sort of self-sufficient on the product, you can just have a sort of agile um, sprint uh, methodology with them on the product and just keep enhancing it so you continue to derive value and you're not signing new SOWs, you're not paying per hour, et cetera. These are your resources and you can prioritize how you go about uh, innovating on that product. Okay, that's that's fantastic. Um, so I have one final question for you. Mm-hmm. and. And I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot. Uh, is think think back to when you were on the product side, uh, and 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 now put yourself in the customer shoes. 
how would you measure ongoing success and i i want you to be brutally honest uh, <laughs> how would you how how would you uh, sort of because honestly i mean from a product uh, vendor perspective uh, you know i've sold the product uh, it'll probably have its shelf life etc and life goes on but now from a customer point of view it doesn't stop there so how how do you measure ongoing success yeah so that's a um, that's a tricky question uh they the the product company should care about the success but you're right right once the product's been sold and they've got their renewals in place etc and you've got a multi year deal you kind of you kind of tend to lose track of the exactly exactly of the of the so so as a um i think as a you know as a as a leader within your organization um one of the best ways to sort of you know ensure success is uh within that product you need to make sure that you are constantly sort of innovating and driving new use cases uh that need to be implemented and adopted on that product so what do i mean by that uh the product if you have chosen a good product ideally they are putting out releases the, the new saas ones at least once a quarter some of them once every two weeks some of them once a month uh there's a lot of new things that are coming that can help your organizations these product companies the good ones are you know they've they've raised lots of money they've have large number of customers for a, a reason they have learning from so many other sort of peers in your industry and they're launching features that will benefit many of your peers and in theory should benefit you um maybe not all the features but quite a few of them how are those being utilized are you actually capitalizing on the new features or is the product looking the same as it did a year ago or two years ago are you guys doing the exact same thing if you are odds are the value you're getting from the product is probably decreasing quite significantly uh, and then of course over and above that some of the other things i spoke about when it came to like nps and and usage are other factors to consider but uh, mm. one of the one of the things that i you know i i think is interesting is like basically figuring out when a product is stale in your organization and and, and you know it's stale when it basically looks exactly the same and you're driving the same use cases from it uh, over for at least over a year or two years because the ecosystem is changing so fast there's so many new things you can do you need to be getting better with the product and with your entire set of products every you know every quarter every year uh and and improving your business right that's a lot of fantastic insight thank you amai amai thanks again for joining enabling digital with systems plus podcast series uh, this has been a fantastic conversation and uh, thank thank you again for your time Thanks thanks Apan glad to be here Thank you everyone uh, for listening and uh, look forward to uh, talking to all of you again next time